Despite being one of the most well-documented and discussed periods of history, the true roots of the French Revolution and Napoleonic era remains largely obscured. As this book will make abundantly clear, that is no mere accident. Discover the conspiracy at the heart of one of the bloodiest eras in human history. In Anatomy of a Revolution, the true story of the French Revolution and Napoleonic Wars by Scipio Eruditus. Available exclusively at thefirmamentalpodcast.com. Millennial. 
pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Well, hey there, folks. This is Joe Ruscielo, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. And you know, folks, as always, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform it is you find yourself listening to us on, you know it's always, always, always my prayer that you also find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. And we are broadcasting to you live today from the Asylum Studios here deep in the bowels of Southwest Texas in the beautiful city of Eagle Pass. And folks, it is a beautiful Lord's Day here today in Eagle Pass. And you know, folks, I hope that you did make it out to church today. And I hope that when you got to church, that your pastor brought you a message that set a fire in your heart for the Lord, that has set a fire in your heart for his word, and of course, for the lost and the dying that we see each and every day. Now, you know, folks, we have not had a Sermon Sunday broadcast since last year. And uh, this is the first Sermon Sunday that we're doing here in 2024, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it took a little work to get here, and uh, you know, part of the reason why it uh, it took so long to get this done is uh, our producer Claude uh, has been working feverishly to try to get our website uh, up and running. We have a new website, so uh, for all of our tens of listeners right now who are to are listening live, uh, welcome to the new Sword of the Spirit podcast website, and uh, thank you, brother Claude, for all the work that you did for it. Now, uh, not everything is fully functional on it just yet. Uh, the main thing that we wanted to make sure that we took care of was uh, that we at least had the live player working. So hopefully it's working well for you. If it's not, please uh, feel free to send me an email. Let me know at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. And be nice. You know, we're trying here. We're trying to get things going. Don't, don't get all nasty. Don't get, in other words, don't, don't act like a Christian, okay? Don't get all nasty. You know, just let us know if it's not working for you, and then uh, let us know what you're getting, if you can send a screenshot or whatever it is uh, to help us understand what you're looking at, and we'll work on that to get it better for you. All right, now, um, today, uh, we're going to be looking at something very, very important. You know, uh, some people really do wrestle with the doctrine of eternal security. You know, they can't figure out if, if they're really saved or if they're really lost, you know. And then they start to worry about other people. Are they saved? Are they lost? Uh, you know, did I get it? Did I lose it? Can I get it again? How many times do I have to lose it and get it? Well, today on our first Sermon Sunday of 2024, we are going to address to address <laughs> already. We're going to address eternal security. Now, before we get into today's message, I'm going to ask you to do just a couple of things for me. First of all, 
If you would, you could please visit our website, SwordOfTheSpiritPodcast.com. And uh, when you get over there, head over to that contact section. And why don't you send us over a message? Let us know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, or concerns that you might have. And also, you could also send over your prayer requests because I really do look forward to getting them and to be able to have the opportunity to spend more time with the Lord and pray over these things for you and with you. So uh, don't forget to send those out to us. Uh, Really, really very important. Uh, Also, while you're on the website, if you could, please look for that support button uh, on the new pancake side menu. It's on the right side of the screen at the very top. And it's also at the bottom in the footer of the website. Uh, Look for that support button. Uh, And uh, if you're able to help us out with a contribution of any amount whatsoever, uh, you can do it right there on our website. So uh, why don't you pray about it? And if the Lord leads you to do it, and you know, of course, if these podcasts and these live broadcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, uh, and if you'd like to become an active part of this ministry, your contribution really does go a very, very long way, and I would be extremely thankful for it. And of course, this this goes in line with the value for value um, uh, direction that we're moving into uh, with the podcasting 2.0 platforms. And um, so if you're able to, to, if you're getting something out of these Bible studies, if, if, um, if you've gotten saved, if, you've, if, if uh, you're able to talk to someone more about what you believe because of the Bible studies that we've been doing, uh, and uh, you want to contribute and you want to return the value, uh, please do so. We would appreciate that. And uh, again, there are, there are ways to do it. Uh, you could, uh, and, and there'll be more coming up on the website in the days and weeks to come. Uh, but for now, you can click that button. I believe we have it set up to go to a PayPal account, and uh, you can you can help us out that way. We would really, really appreciate your contributions to kind of keep things going here. Uh, because with all of these changes and everything that we're doing uh, outside of the changes, uh, you know, sending out Bibles to folks that ask for them, uh, uh, contributing money to uh, to active missionaries that are out in the field that we know of, uh, it's it's really important. Uh, for us to 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 receive those contributions. So if you're able to do it, please, by all means. Uh, if you can't do a financial contribution, your prayers are so important to us as well. Um, uh, now, as always, at this particular point in the in the opening of the show, we like to take just a moment and give thank you, give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ has done so much for us, and I'm talking about myself. Personally, and when I say the us, I'm talking about the royal us. Um, when it comes to, for example, uh, the the gift of salvation, I mean, there is no other way you are going to get into heaven other than by the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ by in faith and ask him to save you. Put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to emphasize something because I did get a question about this. Uh, uh, not too long ago, I was talking to somebody at, at my, uh, my regular job and, um, you know, they said, well, you know, you know, you know, I said a prayer. Well, okay, great. That's fantastic. You said a prayer, but did you believe, did you put your full faith, trust and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is there something else that you're holding on to? Like your good works, your good works are not going to save you. Okay, the Bible says very, very clearly, clearly, there is none that do with good. No, not one. The book of Isaiah tells us that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God. So none of your good works are going to do anything for you as far as getting you into heaven. 
Are they good to do? Absolutely. You should always, always do good. You should always do good and be good. But if you're, if you're depending on that to get you into heaven, well, you're barking up the wrong tree, folk. Also, you know, your baptism is not going to save you, all right? Baptism does nothing for you except get you wet. That's it, okay? It is definitely, and this, we're going to talk about this, uh, you know, in this, in this uh, uh, show we're going to be doing today. Uh, we're going to try to get through the whole thing today. I don't know if we're going to be able to, but um, if we don't, we'll just pick it up next Sunday. At least I'll know what I'm, what I'm preaching next Sunday. That, that'll be a good thing. Uh, um, but your baptism doesn't save you, all right? Now, I'm a Baptist, all right? And I, I'm going to tell you, and I've told you this many times before, there are going to be a lot of Baptists that are going to wake up in hell, all right? Because that's what they're putting their trust in. Oh, I'm a Baptist, you know, and I got dunked and I got baptized when I was eight years old and grandma was a prayer warrior. And so none of that works. None of it works. Baptism is important. Yes, absolutely. It's, a, it's an outward display. It's an outward demonstration of, of something that took place spiritually in your life. So it's absolutely important. It's, it's uh, you know, some folks say, you know, it's a step of obedience, uh, which I, I could agree with that. Uh, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized, so we should be baptized also. But it's not going to save you. Okay. Praying to, the, to, to dead saints is not going to save you. Okay, uh, going to going to a particular church is not going to save you. You know, uh, taking the communion is not going to save you. The Lord's Supper is not going to save you. None of that saves you. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ and through Him alone, by faith alone. That's it. So put your faith and your trust and your confidence in His perfect shed blood and His perfect complete sacrifice on the cross for you. That's all it takes, folks. That's all it takes. And I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for that gift, for, for, for dying on the cross to save a wretched sinner like me. I also want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, for the opportunity to do this podcast. I mean, this is, this is such a blessing to do. Um, it's a challenge, yeah, for sure. It takes up uh, a, a huge amount of time in preparation and especially now with the with the new setup that we're working with and, and the new way of streaming and now the live stream is working through the website we're officially self-hosting now on our website um you know it it, it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of time brother claude is, is is plugging away at it constantly and i i appreciate him and i'm thankful for him for it um you know between the studies i mean it takes time to do these things and um it, it's it's very difficult sometimes to have a life outside of this. <laughs> so uh, I may be cranky sometimes, you know, but that's okay. That's okay. It's for the Lord, right? Amen. Amen. Now, of course, you know, not only is it, uh, is, is it this wonderful opportunity, but it's a, it's a huge platform that God, give, that God gives um, and he's, that he's given me through this podcast, um, you know, because this podcast is heard all over the world, folks, all over the world. And it is such a blessing to know that. And it's such a blessing to have that. And it, it, it's, it's the, the contacts that I've had with folks uh, that have been listening have just been phenomenal. Thank you so very much. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Now, of course, I also want to say thank you uh, to all of you who support us prayerfully. Thank you so very much for praying for us. God bless you for your prayers. Please continue to pray for this ministry, uh, especially as we're, we're uh, developing everything we've been developing here. 
And thank you so much for praying for, for my family, for myself. Uh, and, you know, thank just please continue to pray for us as, as we move forward here. I also want to say thank you to all of you who currently support us financially. Thank you so much for all of your financial support, and God bless you for that. Like I said before, it does really help and helps keep, every, helps keep everything moving along here. Um, you know, we are blessed in that we can send money out to missionaries. We are blessed that we are able to send out Bibles and other literature to folks that request it. We are so blessed, and it's just... It's just something that uh, that I, we couldn't do if there weren't the contributions that we get. And so thank you so much for all of your financial support. And, uh, of course, we also want to thank every single one of you who listen in faithfully to everything that we have been putting out there. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless you for it. You know, um, we're still in the top 100 on uh, on the uh, the weekly Good Pods chart. Um we, we're not in the top anymore at this point, um, I think primarily because we've been migrating more toward the podcasting 2.0 platforms. So folks have been checking those things out. But uh, we are still on that top 100 list, but we also still have the number one podcast in four additional categories on the Good Pods platform. And that's a blessing. That is an absolute blessing, and I am incredibly thankful to every one of you for listening in. But folks, on whatever platform it is that you find yourself listening to us on, please, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way, you'll help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, folks, with all of that said, how about we get to some announcements? You caught me in mid-sip there, but that's okay. Uh, hey, folks, don't forget, we are uh, broadcasting live again, and uh, our Thursday night Bible study kicked off with a whole new series this past Thursday evening. Now, you can check us out on our website now at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. And uh, uh, our live broadcast starts at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we have gone off into a wonderful study uh, on the uh, indicators of the last days. Are we in the last days? And uh, this past Thursday night, we had a great introductory uh, message on that, um, study on it. It was so well received. I'm, I'm so thankful for the comments and the uh, reviews that we've gotten on it. And uh, we're going to be moving on uh, this coming Thursday night with the next part of our study. And there's about seven or eight or so lessons in this particular study that we're going to be doing. Uh, we could stretch it out a little bit longer than that. We'll see how how much material we actually can get through uh, in one particular show. So um, we'll be doing that for the next uh, next month at least, month and a half. And uh, I am really, really excited about it because, folks, we are living in the last days. And it's definitely a lesson a study that you're not going to want to miss. All right. Also, our Sermon Sunday broadcasts have come back. We are live right now. And uh, we started a little bit late today, and that's because I had to, I had to be out uh, at the job this morning, and didn't get back here until oh, I don't know, uh, like almost three o'clock. So I didn't have uh, a lot of time to get everything prepped. So if we seem a little rushed, I apologize for that. But um, here we are. We are live. 
Uh, 3 p.m. Central Time is our usual start time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And again, you can hear us live right here on Sword of the Spirit Podcast.com. And then, of course, uh, as always, uh, immediately following the uh, live show, uh, we start to work on the post-production work, and then we get this thing distributed out to uh, all of our partners. So uh, don't forget to check us out uh, every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central Time, uh, Sermon Sunday, every Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. All right, folks. Now, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, why don't you consider paying us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study meets at 7 p.m. Now, if you want more information about the church, just head on over to the church's Facebook page. Uh, when you get there, just uh, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. And then once you're there, you're going to find a lot of really, really helpful information and also episodes of the podcast. And as always, we're thankful to the folks over at First Baptist Church for allowing us to uh, to uh, post the show up on the church's Facebook page. It's a real blessing to be able to do that, considering we don't have one of our own. And uh, I'm not going to go into the rant about that again. I've done it way too many times already. Um but it is a blessing to be able to uh, distribute the podcast through the church's Facebook page, and we've had a lot of really good interactions with some folks on there as well. Also want to say thank you to our pastor, John Monk, my good friend, and uh, what a, a tremendous encouragement he has been uh, through every step of uh, developing the podcast, getting it to uh, getting it uh, uploaded from the very first episode uh, just over almost two years ago. And uh, again, just just huge support and such a great encouragement, and I'm so thankful uh, to him for that. All right, folks, now, uh, as we were talking earlier, we are in the last days. I am convinced of that, and hopefully by the time we finish our Thursday night Bible studies, you'll uh, you'll be in agreement with me if you're not already there. So uh, with that in mind, if you are not saved and you are planning on going through the tribulation period, well, I want to tell you a little bit about the Contra Radio Network, uh, because the Contra Radio Network is a uh, is a podcasting network that uh, deals primarily with prepping. So if you'd like to check them out, the Contra Radio Network is a single podcast. It houses nearly a dozen talented podcast hosts and artists from around the country who release content daily. The Contra Radio Network releases 15 to 20 shows a week, depending on current events, and there are no issues that are off limits. Want a breakdown of current events? Got it. Want to know more about preparedness and self-sufficiency? Got it. Want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic? For some strange reason, we've got that too. Uh, you want to hear about politics, Bible studies, sports, camping, firearms, and more? The Contra Radio Network has it all covered. You can find them on all of your podcasting platforms, wherever it is you get your podcast. You could also find them on their website at crn.best. That's crn.best for the Contra Radio Network. All right. Uh, now, you guys heard me talk about Chase. 
Brother Chase has a fantastic podcast. Uh, comes out every week without fail. Uh, it's the Three Pillars podcast, which focuses on your personal growth, utilizing the three pillars of fitness, the spiritual, mental, and physical. Brother Chase has a new episode every, uh, well, it's been Saturday for me here, but uh, I've been seeing his show every Saturday morning. Uh, you, if you want to see the video version, just head on over to YouTube. You could uh, find him there at the number Three Pillars podcast. If you want to head over to Rumble, which is my personal preference, uh, Rumble has him at Three Pillars Podcast as well. And also on his website, threepillarspodcast.wordpress.com. And he's also, his audio version of the podcast is available on whatever podcast platform uh, you get, um, you enjoy using. And I recommend, uh, of course, all the 2.0 platforms that are out there. You could also find him on Good Pods, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. All right, folks. Uh, so on the old website, we had the uh, programming announcement subscription. Uh, we're going to have that again on our website, on the new website. Uh, it's just not functional yet. So if you want to get on our mailing list, just send me an email uh, at info at sort of the spirit podcast dot com. That's info at sort of the spirit podcast dot com. And I will get you on our programming announcements uh, uh, email list. All that is is a list that we have that we send out notifications about any changes in programming uh, uh, or any important information that you need because we only broadcast two days a week, Thursday and Sunday. Uh, between Sunday and Thursdays, there's a lot of time in between, and this is the best way to, to reach out to everybody to let you know if there's any changes coming about. So uh, the great thing about it is, number one, it's free, which means it don't cost you nothing. Uh, second of all, we don't sell your information. We don't share your information. Everything is secure with us, and um, uh, it's a great way to stay in contact. Now, we're also not going to spam you. We're not going to send you stuff you're not interested in hearing uh, or reading about or knowing about. It's only going to be for the show material. All right, so get yourself on the list and stay in the know. Now, I'm looking for my hot sheet here because I want to tell you a little bit about another partner of ours, the War Tribe Armory. Now, the War Tribe Armory is located here in Eagle Pass, Texas on uh, US 57, and uh, it is a, 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 f a shop that is owned and operated by veterans, so uh, it'd be great if you can come on out and show them some support. Now, they offer services for, uh, if, you, if you're interested in Cerakote, you're interested in engraving, cleaning, uh, stippling restoration, refinishing, repairs, or if you purchase a firearm online and you want to, you need to send it to an FFL uh, uh, license holder, uh, you can send it to them and they will process the whole purchase for you. So uh, check them out for that. Uh, if you're looking for custom builds, gun sales, uh, holsters, magazines, or trade-ins, check them out. The War Tribe Armory. You can find them on Instagram at wartribe.armory. You can find them on Facebook at War Tribe Armory. And you could find them. You could also email them at wartribearmory1133 at gmail.com. All right. Also, want to remind you about our, my friend uh, Scipio Eriditis's new book that's coming out, his first book, from what I understand, uh, uh, on the anatomy of a revolution. And you can find that book uh, to be pre-ordered on the website revolutionanatomy.crd.co or you can head over to the firmamentalpodcast.com and you could put in your pre-order there as well. Uh, we're going to get some, I think we're going to get a link up onto the website pretty soon. I got to remember to talk to uh, to our producer about that. 
And uh, so uh, I would highly recommend you check it out. He's an extremely intelligent man, and I, I think you're going to be blessed uh, by the uh, by the book. And also, we're also talking with Claude about getting um, Scipio to come on the show here and, and talk about his book and his salvation experience, and and just have a little conversation. I think that would be a, that would be great and be a blessing, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So, uh, pre-order the Anatomy of a Revolution at revolutionanatomy.crd.co. And you may have heard the uh, the ads that we've been running for him as well. All right, uh, Sword Swag. All right, folks, uh, this is the last call for anything Sword Swag because we are going to be removing the option for that very soon and because uh, we're going to be working out a new way of uh, distribution of those materials. So uh, if you want to get your coffee mug, your Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mug like I have right here in my hand, you can get yours at our website at, swords, at swordofthespiritpodcast.com slash swordswag. And uh, we would love to be able to send one out to you and also one of our Sword of the Spirit podcast T-shirts as well. Um, I'm telling you, the T-shirts are great. The, the mugs are better, um, but you should get them both. And you should get them before it goes. This is the last call because uh, we're not going to mention it again after today's show. All right. Let's see. Where are we here? Okay. Our socials. Uh, Twitter, TikTok, Getter, Truth Social. Uh, all at the SOTS podcast. Also have a Rumble channel that uh, we we upload the audio of this show because nobody wants to see my face doing these shows, so I don't do a video. But um, uh, you can find us on Rumble at the SOTS podcast and also on Locals at SOTS podcast as well. All right. Well, we've gotten through all that. It only took us 30 minutes. Uh, but we're going to take our break here, and uh, that'll give you a chance to go get your King James Bible, grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a bottle of water. I think I might need another one myself. And when we come back, we'll be getting into today's sermon on eternal security, the security of the believer. Folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way, you'll help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus the
Despite being one of the most well-documented and discussed periods of history, the true roots of the French Revolution and Napoleonic era remains largely obscured. As this book will make abundantly clear, that is no mere accident. Discover the conspiracy at the heart of one of the bloodiest eras in human history. In Anatomy of a Revolution, the true story of the French Revolution and Napoleonic Wars by Scipio Eruditus. Available exclusively at thefirmamentalpodcast.com. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, 
and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, folks, this is Joe Rusiello. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast, uh, episode number 156. 156 times we've had our meetings, and this has been a blessing like none other. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the security of the believer. You know, as I said earlier, uh, you know, some people really wrestle with that thing, and they just really cannot figure out if they're really saved or if they're really lost, you know. And then, you know, like I said, they start to worry about other people. Are they saved or are they lost? Uh, you know, uh, did I get it and lose it? Can I get it again? You know, how many times do I have to lose it and get it? You know, and, it, and they start to worry about all of that stuff. Now, here's one of the problems that I see with American Christianity. Uh, Americans treat their spirituality like they treat everything else. You know, they, they really want, um, you know, a, a Burger King religion. You know what I'm saying? You know, they want it fast, in a hurry, and they want it their way. You know, and, and as a result of that, people uh, fail to really study the Word of God. Uh, you know, they'll say, well, you know, I'm really not feeling saved. I need three verses. Can you help me? Well, yeah, I can do that. I can give you three verses. No problem. But then what normally happens is they'll go to someone of uh, Armenian theology and, and uh, that'll try to talk them out of it. And they'll give them their three verses, you know, and then what ends up happening is they're confused. And then you just kind of flop around in this area of, of confusion, not knowing whether they're saved or lost or if they can lose it. Yeah. And then, you know, and all that kind of stuff uh, that, that goes along with it. Uh, so here's what I've observed over the years. People who are faithfully in church, faithfully reading their Bible, usually don't wrestle with this very much. You know, they, they get the thing resolved. And do and you know what resolves it for them? The Word of God. The Word of God. That's what resolves it for them. So, uh, so now we're, we're going to approach this a little bit differently today. And what I'm going to try to show you is, from a, uh, a dispensational viewpoint, um, what security of the believer is all about. Now, I honestly don't know how successful I'm going to be uh, because I'm going to try to cram probably uh, two semesters worth of theology into, I don't know, maybe two days. You know, I, I don't know if we're going to get through it all today. So we may have to extend it to next week, which again, not a bad deal because then I know what I'm preaching next week. Um, but we really do have a lot of stuff we have, we have to consider. Now, uh, you know, last year and, and, and into early this year, we worked out about 18 lessons or so on dispensational truth. But what we primarily concerned ourselves with from at that point was the kingdoms. You know, we talked about the whole kingdom issue and, and you know, we really didn't talk too much about salvation, but um, that's what we're going to concentrate on this time. So when you, when you 
when you when you stop and evaluate the thing and, and then you really analyze it, you know, things that are different, things are different from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, if, if, if uh, they weren't different, there wouldn't be an Old Testament and a New Testament. Does that make sense? All right. So there are some dramatic and there are, are some really profound differences when you really look at the Old and New Testaments. Um, but you know something? Old Testament, New Testament, those are not the only lines of division in your Bible. The Bible says to, to do what? To study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there are divisions in that book. And, and Paul in Ephesians 3 calls those divisions dispensations. Some people have tried to make that word dispensation a dirty word in Christianity. Folks, it's a Bible word. It's a Bible word. It's in your Bible. I didn't invent it, but it's in there. And so Paul calls those time periods where God reveals himself in, in working with man in different ways, dispensations. So if we go all the way back to the beginning and work our way forward, what we're going to continue to ask ourselves is how are people saved then? Now, the, the, the really very simplistic explanation that's been offered uh, in a variety of Bible commentaries that I've read is this. Uh, in the Old Testament, they looked forward to the cross, and we look backward to the cross. And I'm sure you've heard that. But when you really think about it, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, what did Noah know about the cross? What did Enoch know about the cross? What did Abraham know about the cross? They didn't know anything about that at all. They knew what God told them, and they were held responsible to respond to whatever it is that God told them. All right, so from Adam until Moses. Now, the law was given to Moses, and, and, and that, you know, introduces introduces its own set of circumstances. But prior to that, from Adam to Moses, we have um, a particular, uh, um, what's the word, um, avenue in which people are saved. Okay? We have a particular avenue in which people are saved. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans in chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. All right? We're going to have a little bit of a Bible study. We're going to do some flipping today. All right? Romans chapter 2. Now, um, you know, this is prior to a law, all right? There is no market. There is no Levitical law from Adam to Moses. There were no particularly uh, prescribed sacrifices until then. There wasn't a scapegoat. There was no Passover lamb. There wasn't anything or anything like the things that we learn after Moses. So then... How were people saved? Simple question and a relatively simple answer. Verse 12 of Romans 2. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So you see, some people are, 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 some people are out of the law and some people are in the law depending on what information they received. 
For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. So Paul says there are some people, some of those old, you know, pagan Gentiles that are doing right things. Well, why are they doing right things? Where do they get that kind of information to live right and do right? Well, let's see. Verse 15. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. All right, so from from Adam to Moses, they were judged by their conscience. Now, isn't that pretty plain? In the passage that we just read, God gives everyone a conscience, and they respond to that conscience positively or negatively, and God judged them accordingly. Now, the age-old question that's often asked, not because people really want to know the answer, to be honest with you, but because they want to trip up the Christian, and that question is this. Well, what about all those people out there in the backwoods of nowhere that had never heard the gospel? All right, what about them? They got a conscience? That conscience thing, it works all the way through each dispensation for those who never heard anything else. You say, well, what about that, um, that aborigine that never heard the gospel, never heard a preacher, never read a Bible, uh, you know, never heard anything? He's got a conscience. God gave it to him. And God will judge him according to how he responds to his conscience. Now, there are, there are, there are many, many examples of that thing in your Bible. All right? And honestly, we don't have time to chase them all down. But, uh, but there's a guy by the name of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 who has nothing but a conscience. And he's praying essentially in this way. God, whoever you are, whatever you are, wherever you are, I'd like to know you better. And the Lord says, I hear that. And then he taps on old Peter's door and he says, hey, there's a Gentile Roman soldier down there and I'd like you to go to his house and talk to him. And, you know, Peter resists because, you know, he doesn't think the Gentiles are worth anything. And finally, the Lord overrules and and Peter goes down and and gives him the gospel. All right. What about the Ethiopian eunuch over in Acts chapter 8? You know, so on. The Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 19. So we have several Several examples of that very thing where someone is listening to their conscience and God responds positively and, and gets them further information. All right, now we have some examples of that. Look with me over in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is God's hall of fame or hall of faith. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. How is a guy saved? How is a lady saved? You know, from Adam to Moses. They're saved according to to their conscience. They're saved by responding to their conscience. All right, now in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So what did Abel do? He responded to his conscience, and his conscience said, you can't get blood out of a turnip. 
don't offer the fruit of your garden. And so he offered a lamb instead, and God said, I'll take that. I'll accept that. Now, what did Abel know about Calvary and the cross and the gospel and all of that? He didn't know anything about that stuff. He only knew what God told him in his conscience. And he responded positively, and God said, I'll accept it. Good enough. All right, how about verse 5? By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. All right, well, there's the first rapture in your Bible. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All right, now let me insert a little addendum here, okay? In any dispensation, in any dispensation other than the millennial kingdom, and and we'll get to that down the road, other than the millennial kingdom, in any other dispensation, everyone, everyone is saved by grace through faith. It doesn't matter if you operate through your conscience or through the law or anything else. In other words, if a person is saved, their sins are forgiven. That's God's grace. Amen? And God says the vehicle to access that grace is faith. Now, faith is simply believing what God said. And if God says to do this, then you do it by faith. You see? You understand? All right. Now, the next example that illustrates that is verse 7. Okay? By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Now, when you got saved and trusted Jesus Christ, do you know what you received? You received his righteousness. Now, Noah got righteousness, but he didn't receive it because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. That hadn't been accomplished yet. Do you know how Noah got righteousness? By building an ark. He had faith when God said, someday I'm going to send something that you ain't never seen before. Ever. And Noah said, I believe it, Lord. I believe it. And because of his belief and his faith, he built the ark. And God favorably responded to that and said, all right, do you know what you are? You're an heir of righteousness. Do you know what he did? He responded to his conscience. All right, Abraham, uh, 11 and uh, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with uh, him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So uh, the next introduction we have here is Abraham. And Abraham becomes a pretty good, pretty good example of things to come. But we need to understand a couple of things about Abraham that are not applicable to the church age. Take your Bible and go with me over to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis and chapter 15. Did you ever realize and think about it? 
but I'm, I'm sure you realize that, you know, things that are different are not the same. Amen. Two things that are different are not the same. All right. Genesis chapter 15 and verse four. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars. If thou be able to number them and said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it. He counted it to him for righteousness. All right. Now, how did, how did Abraham get his righteousness? He got it by believing by faith what God said about his seed. It's pretty simple. But now there's a little glitch here that needs to be observed. All right. In Genesis 15, Abraham got his imputed righteousness. Now, folks, we all need imputed righteousness. And that word imputed, that's a banking word. It means charged to one accounts, to one's account. Uh, so, you know, when you go down to the bank, hopefully, you know, it's being imputed to your account. All right. Imputed righteousness. That's what Abraham got right here at that moment by believing the Lord. All right. Now, take your Bible. And go with me over to the book of James in your New Testament. James in chapter 2. James chapter 2. He got his imputed righteousness in Genesis 15 by believing in, by believing by faith. Now in James chapter 2 and verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works his faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Now, all of the enemies of eternal security love James chapter 2. All of them, they love it. Because what they're trying to do is tell you that you can approach God by faith, but you keep your salvation by works. All right, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Who's the illustration here? Abraham, right? Now, Abraham got his imputed righteousness for believing God. Do you know when he got his justification? Forty years later when he offered Isaac in Genesis 22 upon the altar, and, and, and when he was willing to believe God and follow through with his works. Imputed righteousness in Genesis 15, justification in Genesis 22. All right, now that's Abraham. And the reason why it shows up in James is James is written to who? James is written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And that's connected to a tribulation-type salvation in preparation of the kingdom. And, and we'll get there. Probably not tonight, but we'll get there. All right. Um, now, what's Abraham's gospel? Look with me over in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I told you we were going to be bouncing around today. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. Galatians 3, verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached 
before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, all right? Now, what's the gospel of Abraham? Is it the same gospel of Christ? Is it? Is it the same as the gospel of Christ? What's the gospel of Christ? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of Christ. Well, what's Abraham's gospel? Well, here it is. In plain, third grade English. In thee shall all nations be blessed. That's Abraham's gospel. All right, now Abraham believed it. And God said, you know what? That's your imputed righteousness. You're willing to prove it by your works. That's your justification. All right, now let's fast forward for just a minute because we're working this through a little bit. Okay, we're working on this. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, two things that are different aren't the same. Romans chapter 4 and verse 24. Now, this is Paul's epistle. All right. Paul is the apostle to the church. That's what he said. You know, every epistle Paul wrote was to you, with the exception of if he wrote Hebrews, and and I think he did, but he wrote that before all the other stuff that he wrote. So Paul says to you as a New Testament believer in verse 24, 424, excuse me. <clears throat> 424. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. All right, so you've got your imputed righteousness and justification all at the same time. It was simultaneous. It happened the minute that you believed and trusted Christ. Boom, just like that. Just like that. Imputed righteousness and justification. Now, if you're questioning that, read the book of Romans. God will clarify that over and over and over again in the book of Romans. So, how are these people saved from Adam to Moses? By believing their conscience and acting by faith on what God told them through their conscience. All right, now let's fast forward to the church age. To the church age. And, uh, you know, and, and, and there's some there's some African out there in the middle of Africa that David Livingston never reached. And and all he sees are the stars above. And then all of a sudden God says to him, hey, pal, I got news for you. And he listens to his conscience and he obeys whatever it is that God gives him, the light that God gives him. God judges people according to the light that they receive. And God says, here it is. So, you know, that so-called impossible question, you know, what about the heathen? Well, it's not impossible at all. It's, it's really quite simple. All you have to do is understand uh, is, that, is that God is what God does with the conscience. That's all you need to understand is what God does with the conscience. Now, Moses introduces a law, does he not? And it's, it's pretty complex and it's pretty difficult. Now, as difficult as the law was, I think I'd still rather be judged by the law than by conscience, right? I mean, how many of you, honestly, how many of you always obey your conscience? And I'm really glad that I can't see hands or, or we'd have to have an altar call right now, I'm sure, right? All right, so we have the law. 
God introduces the law. All right, go to Leviticus chapter 5. And of course, you know, the law is very, very complex. Lots and lots and lots of laws. But, well, let's see if we can boil it down to the most common denominator here, okay? Leviticus chapter 5. Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 13. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as touching his sin, that he hath sinned in one of these, and it shall be forgiven him. And the remnant shall be the priests as a meat offering. All right? So, it was necessary for the Old Testament saint under the law to go to the priest with a sacrificial offering if his sins were going to be atoned for. All right? If his sins were going to be atoned for, that was absolutely necessary. All right? Now, for the confirmation of that, go to chapter 6 and verse 7. Folks, this is how you study your Bible. All right? Go to chapter 6, verse 7. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. So, you see, it was required he go see this priest, and this priest was acting as a mediator. Is there a difference between then and now? Think about it. Is there a difference between then and now? What would it be? The priest is Jesus Christ. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Isn't that what Paul told us? But you don't find anything like that over in Leviticus. You got to go to Timothy to get that. Uh, so, all right, let's look in chapter 16. Let's look in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 30. You know, folks, I'm just giving you a brief overview, but I mean, there are dozens, if not hundreds of verses that, uh, you know, under the law that indicate these very things. All right. Chapter 16 and verse 30. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Well, what keeps you out of heaven? What keeps you out of heaven? Sin, right? Sin. All right, Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9. It's kind of a toss-up, you know, whether you want to be judged by your conscience or by the law. I mean, they're, they're both pulling pretty hard duty, aren't they? All right, Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. Chapter 9, verse 13. But the man that is clean, but the man that is clean and is not in a journey... And forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season, that man shall bear his sin. All right, now, folks, I'm just reading you plain English. Plain English. Oh, by the way, it says the same exact thing in the Hebrew. Uh, all right, so that guy, if he avoids the Passover, he could be in serious trouble. Now, there are a couple of contingencies built in. I'm not going to take the time to show you, but uh, uh, one is the case of Josiah the king, where uh, if the Passover was avoided, God in his mercy and God in his grace extended the opportunity. And, uh, you know, you can just grab your Bible. You can find that and study that for yourself. All right. I, I, know, I know you're going to be right on it. Why? Because I have an exceptional audience. That's why. All right. Now, uh, is there any real security of the believer here? Think about it. 
is there any real security in the believer there? I mean, that guy's walking on thin ice. You know, he's in a tenuous situation, isn't he? All right. Take your Bible and look with me over in Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18. All right. This guy is operating with nothing but conscience. Is there anything in there where it says you're saved and secured forever? No. No, there isn't. Now, let me show you the problem while you're looking up Ezekiel. The problem is a lot of people will take passages directed at people living under a conscience, take passages that, take passages that, are, uh, that, that are living under the law, and then try to, uh, you know, take a square peg and beat it into a round hole for folks that are living in the church age. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The folks under conscience and the folks under the law are not the same as folks like you and me in the church age. All right. Ezekiel 18, verse 21. All right. Nope, that's not right. I was in 21 reading about the king of Babylon. Um, Ezekiel 18 and verse 21. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? So the backslider could be in big trouble under the law, under the law. Now, you got something else to deal with under the law, uh, and, and not just the law, all the way back to Adam, and that's this. The Old Testament saint, even if he passed all the tests, didn't forget the Passover, he appropriated the proper sacrifices. Do you, I mean, did you know that there's even a sacrifice required in the Old Testament for the sins that you didn't even know you committed? Yeah, sins of ignorance. Sins of ignorance. You know, someone says, I'm sanctified, I'm perfect, I am good to go. But what about the sins of ignorance? You know, sometimes it's good to be ignorant. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, folks, there, there's an Old Testament sacrifice specifically designated for the sins that you committed that you didn't even identify as sins. That's just to make sure all your bases are covered. You know, the law was pretty demanding, folks. It's pretty radical, wouldn't you say? You know, people say, well, I don't know. Well, then why is it all there? Now, an Old Testament saint, whether he's operating under his conscience or under the law, he does all the right things. God says, I approve. That's good. He's in. He's, but he still can't go directly to heaven. He can't go. Do you remember uh, over in Luke chapter 16? Luke chapter 16, Jesus told a story about a rich man and a beggar, right? The, the beggar's name was Lazarus, and they both die. 
And the beggar's in a place called Abraham's bosom, which is later defined by Paul in 2 Corinthians as, as a place called what? Do you remember? Paradise, right? Paradise. And the Old Testament saint couldn't go to heaven. He went to, the, to a place in the heart of the earth, according to Luke chapter 16, a place called paradise. Now, theologians speculate, and it's just speculation, that the Lord turned the Garden of Eden inside out. Oh, by the way, I saw something the other day. I, I, was, I was flipping some channels on the television, and uh, I, I saw something on one of those science channels. Did you know that scientists have now determined that the center of the earth is really hot? They figured it out. Global warming, man. Global warming. Stick with your Bible, folks. Let science and education catch up later. Amen? So those Old Testament saints, they couldn't go to heaven. I wonder why they couldn't go to heaven. Because all of those lambs and goats and turtle doves and pigeons and all that stuff couldn't take away their sin. It could only provide a temporary atonement. And folks, that's why it had to be repeated over and over and over again. So where did they go? Well, they went to a place in the center of the earth. And there was this great gulf that was fixed between this place called paradise. And its neighbor was a place called hell. And, and you know, you know, Jesus told this story over in Luke chapter 16 about this rich man who died and went to hell. And, and, uh, you know, and he could see across this great gulf. On the other side of, of the Grand Canyon in the center of the earth, and uh, you know, he looked across that canyon and, and he could see Lazarus, the poor beggar. And he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, can't do it. Can't do it. So we've got paradise on one side. We've got hell on the other side. Now, when Jesus was resurrected in Ephesians chapter 4, he led captivity captive. Now, what does that mean? That means there were a bunch of folks that were incarcerated in the heart of the earth. And, and folks, it wasn't a bad place. Folks, they were walking around in paradise. It's not like they were in purgatory. There is no such place. Uh, but this wasn't a bad place. But they couldn't go directly to heaven because the sacrifice hadn't been completed. The completed sacrifice was encompassed in the blood of Jesus Christ. But it wasn't until his blood was applied to the mercy seat that God said, okay, done deal. It's finished now. It was then that the veil in the temple was rent in twain, and we have direct access to God. And then at the resurrection, at the resurrection, the Lord said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all those folks down there in paradise, and I'm going to take them to heaven. Do you remember what the Lord said when he met Mary in the garden tomb? Do you remember what he said? He said, don't touch me. And what was the reason that he gave for her not touching him? He said, I have not yet ascended unto my father. Hours later, hours later, do you know what he said to Thomas in the upper room? He said, go ahead and touch me. Put your fingers in the hole. Go ahead, Thomas. In the interim, the Lord did exactly what Paul described that he was going to do. And the psalmist actually uh, gave a lead in on that hundreds of years before. 
he took, took the captives and led them out and took them to heaven. Now, when you die and you're saved, you pass go, collect $200, and you go straight up. All right? So they couldn't go directly to heaven. All right? Now we get to the New Testament. And the New Testament is, is confusing to some people because the first book of the New Testament is what? It's Matthew. It shouldn't be, but it is. Because Matthew is what we call kingdom preaching. All right? Now, Israel hadn't heard anything from God in 400 years from Malachi to Matthew. God's silent. He doesn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist comes along. And, um, you know, John the Baptist, he's a forerunner to Jesus Christ. And uh, John the Baptist has a singular message, a singular message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's all he's got to say. That's all he says. And he keeps on saying it over and over and over again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. You know that phrase, the kingdom of heaven? It's found exclusively only in the book of Matthew. You don't find it in Mark, you don't find it in Luke, and you don't find it in John. Only in Matthew. So do you know what the Lord's doing? He's introducing a kingdom. He's introducing the possibility for the Jews to reclaim the kingdom that they lost back under the law because of their disobedience to the law. He said, do you want your kingdom? Yeah, we want our kingdom back. So the first real sermon that Jesus preaches is called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, three chapters, the longest sermon in your Bible. And you know what Jesus keeps telling them? He gives them the constitutional form of a coming kingdom. That's what the sermon's all about. Now, there's a lot of things in that sermon that, that, that you really don't want imposed on your life. I mean, folks, you really don't. I'm going to show you a couple of them, all right? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. All right, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. All right, so that's pretty clear. Amen? That's pretty clear. Jesus said, I'm not here to wipe out the law. That's not what we're doing now. All right, go to verse 21. Verse 21, You have heard it said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Now let me ask you something. You know, and, and as we continue on in the narrative, you know, we're going to find out that God just doesn't judge the words out of your mouth. He judges the intent of your words in your mind, in your heart. Now, have you ever called anyone in your mind a fool? I'm in big trouble. <laughs> I am. All right. Now, so Raka, that's just a milder form. You know, that's not saying thou fool. That's just saying he's foolish. See? So that guy's in danger of judgment. But whosoever saith thou fool is in danger of hellfire. Good night. I mean, if that's ever imposed on me, man, I'm toast. I mean, literally, I'm toast. I might as well just go fishing. All right? But that's not all. Look down here in uh, verse 27. Verse 27. You have heard it said that it was, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. 
But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can't even watch the Dallas Cowboys. Uh-oh. Oh, my. All right. And uh, verse 29, and if thy right offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it fr- from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should, be, should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. You know, the Lord's kind of hung up on people going to hell. Yeah, that's pretty clear. Now, you can, you can go to hell for almost anything. Almost anything. But wait a minute. Doesn't that Bible say that to offend the law in, in, in one point is to be guilty of all? Whew. Well, that sure narrows the field. Do you know what this is? Folks, this is kingdom preaching. Kingdom preaching. This is what you've got to do to get your kingdom back. The message is exclusively being delivered to Israel. You say, well, what about all those pagan people out there that don't know anything about the law? They're operating under a conscience. All right, now, so by the time this thing winnows down, you know, we find exclusive information about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew. Uh, We find transitional information in Mark and Luke. And then, by the time we get to the Gospel of John, man, it's an entirely different flavor to it. John introduces a whole brand new doctrine that nobody's ever heard of before. I mean, nobody ever heard of this before the Gospel of John. And we will find out what that is when we come back from this break. Folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way, you'll help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. Despite being one of the most well-documented and discussed periods of history, the true roots of the French Revolution and Napoleonic era remains largely obscured. As this book will make abundantly clear, that is no mere accident. Discover the conspiracy at the heart of one of the bloodiest eras in human history. In Anatomy of a Revolution, the true story of the French Revolution and Napoleonic Wars by Scipio Eruditus. Available exclusively at thefirmamentalpodcast.com. of it. 
Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Ruciello. And uh, today in our first Sermon Sunday broadcast of 2024, we are talking about the eternal security of the believer. And we left off talking about uh, uh, how the Gospel of John introduces a, a whole brand new doctrine that nobody has ever heard of before to that point. I mean, nobody has ever heard of this before John chapter 3, and you know what it is. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to notice kingdom of God, not kingdom of heaven. Two things that are different are not the same. Heaven is not God. And God is not heaven. They're not even spelled the same. Amen? All right, now, God's in heaven, but that doesn't make God heaven. Now, if you think God is heaven, then you know what you are? You're a pantheist. You're a Hindu. You just don't know it. All right, now, he introduces a whole new doctrine. All right, take your Bible and go with me over to John chapter 3. John 3. John chapter 3 and verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right, verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Now, three times... Three times, Jesus tells Nicodemus, who's a religious man, he's a priest, I mean, he's a, he's a religious heavyweight, he's a theologian, you know, he, he's, he's a guy, he has a PhD in theology. I mean, this is the guy right here, the man, you know, and, and Jesus is telling him, ye must be born again. And, uh, you know, Nicodemus is totally confused and perplexed. He says, hey, I'm an old man. Can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And then Jesus went on to explain it to him. I'm talking about a different kind of birth. This isn't a physical birth. This is a spiritual birth. Now, can you find Ezekiel talking about a new birth? Or, uh, Or do you find a new birth in Leviticus or Numbers? Not even close. This is a brand new doctrine. No wonder the Jews thought Jesus was heretic. This is brand new. They they had never heard anything like this. All right, now in Luke 23, Luke chapter 3 and verse 45, uh, Jesus, when Jesus is crucified, the veil of the temple is rent in twain. And that introduces a whole bunch of brand new things. Because all of a sudden now, people have the opportunity to have unlimited unfettered access to God directly, whereas previous to that, whether they were operating under uh, any kind of dispensation, they needed some kind of a mediator, whether it's a conscience, a priest, or whatever. And now there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So he wants to be your mediator, your mediator. As a result of the new birth, you get imputed righteousness and justification at the same time. And then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. He puts a stamp. He puts a seal on you. And and he defies anyone to break that seal. You can't break it. Then in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to live in you. 
And that's the earnest money. The earnest money. Earnest. That's that's a real estate term, isn't it? You know, you make an offer on a piece of real estate, you say, Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some earnest money down. That's what that is, that that's proof of your sincerity. It adds legitimacy to, to the whole thing. God put earnest money down on you when he saved you. It's the Holy Spirit. And he says this, I'm coming back to get you. I'm coming back to claim you. Do you know what you are? Do you know what I am? We're a piece of dirt. We're a piece of dirt. We're literally dirt bags. From dust thou art unto dust thou shalt return. God made Adam out of the dust of the earth. Do you know who we are? We're just a piece of real estate. Isn't that right? Physically speaking. And the Lord says, someday I'm going to come back and I'm going to claim my real estate. I'm going to get it. All right. Now, the the earnest money is the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The Holy Spirit that indwells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. All right. And then... He introduces us into the body of Christ by a spirit baptism. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians and chapter number 12. Now, all of these things that we're talking about, all right, all of these things that we're talking about, you can't find any of these things applied to anybody in dealing with the conscience or under the law. Nobody there got sealed. Nobody there got earnest, got the earnest money. Now, the Spirit did come on some people in, in the Old Testament, but, uh, but you know, in some cases. But then he left them. He came and went. Didn't David pray to the Lord that he wouldn't take him away, that he wouldn't leave? And so we have these promises and guarantees that you have, they, they, uh, that they didn't have. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for by one spirit, notice, notice that spirit is capitalized. Are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit? Now, you know, some of my, uh, some of my Baptist colleagues <laughs> and friends, you know, they want you to believe that that's talking about water baptism. Folks, water can't save a dead pig. You with me? Now, there, there, are seven, there are seven different baptisms in the Bible. Did you know that? There are seven different baptisms in the Bible, and that's why people get confused about it. Well, what we're talking about is the real deal. Everything else is just a picture of this thing. When you got saved, the Spirit of God baptized you. It was a spiritual event, not a physical one. So when we get baptized physically in water, what that is 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 a picture or a demonstration of what's already happened on the inside. The Spirit baptized you. And so when we say, uh, you know, buried in the likeness of Christ's death and raised in the likeness of, of the resurrection, that's just a picture. In 20 years, the 20 years that I've been saved and, and I've been serving the Lord, you know, because uh, I've been saved 23 years. I didn't really start preaching and teaching and being involved in ministry for a few years after that. So I'll you know, just say 20 years of 20 years in serving the Lord. You know, I've had the privilege of, of, of baptizing, uh, I don't know, maybe 
six or eight people. Okay, not a lot. And you know, in 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 all those years, and in baptizing six or eight people, I, I've only lost two. You know, so it's not bad. The odds are good. The odds are good. No, I'm kidding. You know, but it's just a picture. All right, it's a picture. That water is a demonstration of something else. Just like the Lord's Supper, communion. It's just a picture of the death, the the broken body and shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Now, carrying that a step further, let's go over to Colossians. Colossians in chapter 2. All right, Colossians 2. Now, this is a doctrine right here that a lot of Christians don't know anything about. And, And you should, though. You should. But they don't. All right, now Colossians chapter 2. And I love this doctrine because for me, for me, it puts more clarification on the security of the believer than anything else. I mean, for me, you know, this is absolutely the big nail that nails the coffin lid shut on the whole subject. All right, look at this thing. Verse 11, Colossians 2 verse 11. In whom also ye are are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Well, how does that work? How in the world does that work? Made without hands? I mean, come on, let's face it, you know. And I'm trying to be as simple as possible here, okay, but circumcision requires hands, okay? In in the Old Testament, it was the hands of the priest. Now, in in modern-day times, it's the hands of the doctors in the hospital, right? But it requires hands. This one, this one's made without hands. There's no hands here. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Same baptism we just read about over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13. All right. Um, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all, having forgiven you all trespasses? Now, you have a body. At least I hope you do. And and if you're listening and you don't, please let me know because I would love to sit down and talk to you. All right, but you have a body, and and that's the part that's going to go back to the dirt. Now you're a trichotomy, okay? You're a trichotomy. Uh, you're a body and a soul, and a spirit. All right? Now, what does your soul look like? Well, your soul looks like you. Do you know what your soul is? It's an inner tube inside of a tire. All right? It conforms to the image of the tire. You say, well, how do you know that? I know that because of Psalm 119.25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. All right. Now, do you remember when Rebecca, uh, uh, Rachel, I'm sorry, Rachel died over in Genesis 35? It said her soul was in departing. Now, that soul is sometimes called a ghost. Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross. All right. Now, even the world understands that a ghost has a bodily appearance. Isn't that right? All right. So what's your soul? Your soul is the thing that conforms to the image of your body. It's like a ghost. But according to the psalmist, my soul cleaveth to the dust. Now, cleave in Bible language means stuck to. All right? Your, your soul is stuck to your flesh. 
Now that presents a problem, doesn't it? Remember what Ezekiel said? Again, in the Old Testament, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Oh, boy. Man, are you kidding me? What am I going to do? Well, we just read in Colossians chapter 2 that God performs an operation on you when you're saved. And that's the word he used, operation. In cutting away the sins of the flesh by the operation of God. And he compares it to circumcision. And in Romans, and in Romans, he calls it the circumcision of the heart. The heart is deposited in the soul. It's another sermon. So when you got saved, when you got saved, God miraculously performed an operation on you with laser speed and precision. And it happened in, in less than a fraction of a nanosecond. And God cut your soul free from your body. Now, your soul still lives in the body, all right? It's still there. And do you know what that did to you? That did something to you that, that drives you crazy. Do you know what every Christian is? Every Christian is a legitimate schizophrenic. Do you know why? Because you've got competing interests going on there. Galatians really defines it well, as well as Romans chapter 7. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. You know, Paul had to say, that is in my flesh, in parentheses, because Paul understood that he couldn't say, for I know that in me dwelleth no good thing, because the Holy Spirit dwelled in him. And he is a good thing, isn't he? Amen. So he had to say, that is in my flesh. Because this stuff, that stuff that you have, that flesh, do you know what it is? 1 Corinthians 15 says it's, in, it's it, 1 Corinthians 15 says it's corruptible. It's rotten. That's what it is. But there's a good thing in him, and that's the Holy Spirit. Now, those two things compete against each other. He said uh, there was a desire in him to do right. But there was also a desire in him to do wrong. And, and, and for years, the cartoonists would capture that, right? And, and, you know, he may even be a pagan. I don't know. But, you know, you've seen it. A little angel sitting on one shoulder, a little devil on the other shoulder. You know what that is? That's a competing interest. One says, do right, do right. And the other side says, nah. That's your flesh. Now, theologically, your flesh has been crucified. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, an old preacher said it this way. You're just dragging a dead corpse around behind you all the time. Because from God's point of view, from God's point of view, your flesh isn't you. From God's point of view, your flesh has nothing to do with your residence in heaven. You're part of his kingdom. You're part of his family. But, but you see, that's what people get all shook up about. My flesh is misbehaving. Oh, maybe I'm not saved. My flesh don't want to do right. Believe me, if I could subscribe to, Ar to Arminian doctrine, I would. Because then I can hold a heavy thumb on you. And I could say... If you're not in church, then you're going to hell. You know, I, I could say, you better listen to this podcast or you're going to get it. You better tithe or else. 
But that Bible says that we have liberty in Christ. Amen? Yeah, I've got nothing on you. Absolutely nothing. I mean, the Lord's got plenty on me, but I don't have anything on you. All right? So God cuts your flesh immediately from your soul. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Now, if that's true, and that's what our verses say, what does it take to make it grow back? If I cut your thumb off, will it grow back? I'm Not unless you're one of Alex Jones' lizard people. It can't grow back. All right? God separated your soul from your flesh. Now, uh, so, so it's a spiritual circumcision. Eternal life is promised. Go to 1 John chapter 5. Eternal life is promised. 1 John chapter 5. Now, as I indicated, you know, while you're looking for 1 John a little bit ago, you know, someone says, you know, I need three verses to really help me feel secure. Well, that's your problem. You're looking for a feeling. Your feelings are going to lie to you, and they'll fool you. He that trusteth his own heart is a fool. Now, that wasn't me calling you a fool. That was God calling you a fool. He that trusteth his own heart is a fool. Folks, you can't trust your feelings. They're just going to lead you astray. You know, people say, well, I don't feel saved. Well, what's that got to do with it? You know what that book is? That book? That book is a contract. It's a written legal contract. God doesn't care how you feel about the contract. I mean, did you ever sign a contract and get buyer's remorse? You know, you buy something, then you say, oh, man, what did I do? All right, 1 John chapter 5. I kind of feel like that about the house sometimes. Uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. And this is the record. All right, do you know what a record is? It's like a contract. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a record of the thing that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. All right, now I want you to notice this very, very carefully, okay? Notice this. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Did you notice it? Folks, every word in that verse is a one-syllable word. You couldn't miss it. And then people say, Oh, boy, that Bible's really hard to read. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one right there. You know, I've just struggled and struggled and struggled over that. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, does that sound any different than, than Leviticus or Ezekiel? Or numbers? Does that sound different than what we read about all those dudes living by conscience or under the law? You got the son, you got life. If you don't have them, you don't. It's cut and dry. It's, it's black and white. It's real simple. And then, of course, we learn from Paul's epistles how we receive the son. We receive him by faith. Now, those guys received God's information by faith. And they acted upon it. We receive the gospel by faith. And we say, okay, Lord, Jesus died for me. 
He's my substitute. He sacrificed his life and shed his blood for me. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. I believe it. I accept it. And I trust it. All right, now you do that. And a week later, you get mad at something. And you think of nine Christian cuss words. Are there that many? And then afterwards you say, oh man, I don't feel saved. Well, what does the record say? What does the record say? Okay? Now, next week, Lord willing, we're going to launch into the rapture, the tribulation, and the kingdom. And, uh, you know, what I'm going to try to do, you know, the best I can, uh, and, you know, and maybe I can't do it, I can't always do it as good as I'd like to, but... I'm going to do the best I can to show you scriptures that are used to try to talk you out of what God said you got. Now, do you know what that makes you? Special. Really? Really? You're a child of God. You're special. And I promise you, I'm not even being sarcastic this time, okay? (laughs) Well, then, what do you mean by special? You're part of the bride of Christ. You're part of his body. That promise is only given to you. If you're a born-again, saved person. Now, those other folks, you know, conscience and law, they're part of the family of God. You know, the folks that are going to go through the tribulation, they're going to get saved during the tribulation, they're part of the family of God. Those folks in the millennial kingdom will be part of the family. But God's only got one bride. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. Jesus Christ has only one bride. You know, God's got a bride too. All right, let me throw you a curve. I I know that I'm running long, but you don't really care, do you? You're enjoying this. I know I am. God the Father. Now, if you can't find the verse, I'll tell you, but I want you to look for it. Okay, I want you to find it. God the Father, all right, now here's, here's the part where I'm going to get called a heretic by somebody. All right, God the Father is presently divorced. Maybe God doesn't hate divorced people as much as some people want you to think he does. God the Father is presently divorced from Israel. From Israel. That's his wife. But someday, he's going to get her again. Now, there's two books. I'm going to give you a hint so you can find it. All right? There's two books that'll lay all of that out for you. Jeremiah and Hosea. Jeremiah and Hosea. Someday, someday, he's going to get her again. But presently, he's divorced. Now, Jesus Christ, his son, has a bride. All right? And you're part of it if you're saved. You're part of the body the church of Jesus Christ, not the denomination. You're part of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And um, he's got big plans for you. Big, big plans. Somewhere along the lines, someone picked up the tradition that, um, that, uh, that the groom was supposed to pick up the bride and carry her across the threshold of their new home. You remember that? New house, you know? You know where they get that from? Someday the Lord's going to pick you up.
he's going to say, let me carry you to your new house. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Wow. You know, I don't care what you're living in now. It's a dump compared to what you're going to get. Jesus has got a bride. And we're going to examine that more later on. I think kind of went over and above um, tonight, and uh, we'll try to finish this all up next week. And uh, I know you don't mind because, like I, I've said many, many times, you are an exceptional audience, and I am so very thankful to have you listening in. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the day. Father, we want to thank you so much for the love, the mercy, the grace that you've shown us here in this church age. Father, we're thankful that we are saved by grace through faith, that we're not bound to the law to get saved. We don't have to perform all those sacrifices because it was done once, and it was all sufficient for us. And all we have to do is just believe it. All we have to do is put our full faith, trust, and confidence in it. And that's the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father God, we thank you so, so much for it. And we ask you today to please, God, hedge us about and protect us for the rest of this week. And we look forward to coming together again on Thursday evening, Lord willing, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, all right, folks, that will do it for us. Thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight. Head on over to our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Click on that contact section. Send us over any comments or questions that you might have. Also, look for that support this podcast uh, tab. And if you can help us out with, with a uh, contribution, you know, we would really, really appreciate that. Folks, until the next time, win the lost, no matter the cost. God bless you. Take care. That's about it, really.